Isaac walked up the mountain, his father by his side, never realizing he would be the sacrifice. And when Abraham raised up his hand to take his child's life, in his heart he must have wondered. I deal with a lot of people that are have lost their way, that are depressed, that are despondent, that are dismayed. I'm talking about born-again believers. I'm talking about people who know Christ. They come in my office. You don't know it because they want to keep it confidential, and I don't share it with you. But it grieves my soul to see a born-again believer who has his name or her name written in the Lamb's Book of Life that is going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ and going to have a mansion built by God to fit their specific likes and dislikes and that is going to spend eternity working for God somewhere that I'm sure will fit you. Uh, it bothers me that we get depressed. It bothers me that we get despondent. I mean, I, I get the same kind of stuff you do. Now, there are short periods of time that God allows you to drop in the hole, the black hole of darkness and despondency and despair. But he doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to learn the lessons of that and then get out of it, move out of it. And then be able to help other people who drop in it. One of the problems that Christians have, and this is not, not when they're first saved, because when we get first saved, we're excited. Amen. You be around new Christians. It's beautiful to be around new Christians. They are so bold. They'll tell anybody ever, hey, I got saved. I come, they'll just tell everybody, anybody. They don't care what people think of. They don't know the Bible hardly. They don't even they'll they even bring people to me and say, Hey, I don't know how to lead this person to Christ. Can you tell them how to get saved? I don't I I can't tell them I can't go to the Bible. I love that. Just sheer energy that comes out of a new believer. I like to hang around them. I need it. The trouble is, as you go down the path of life, things can get ho-hum. Things can get same old, same old. Things can get, well, I've done this before, and lose their excitement. But the truth is, it's just exciting today, 45 years down since you've been saved, as it was the first day you got saved. In fact, actually, it's more exciting today, 45 years after you got right with God, it's more exciting because you have more understanding of God and who He is and what's coming. Makes sense to you? In other words, the older we get, not the less energized we should be, but the more energized, the more 
the more energized with intelligence. A new believer sometimes is energized, but they don't have the knowledge to go with it. It's just a blind, woo, it's like a newlywed, you know. But we people have been married, I've been married 47 years. I'm going to tell you, I should be more enthused about marriage than the, than the six-month married couple. I, how long have you been married? About six months? Four months? Woo! I am more enthused about it than you are. It's a decision. I'm not saying I got the emotions you've got. But boy, I've got, I want to be, hey, it's a decision, amen? You decided to get up and come today. You had to resist all kinds of other internal conflicting feelings about coming today. I bet you got tempted to stay home today. I bet you got tempted to go to the beach or to go fishing. Basically, just go about anywhere or go to church. Oh, the preacher, he won't have much to say. I already heard it, been there, done that. Man, I get, I get, I get sad when people tell me, I've heard that before. Sing it over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life. I've read the Bible through over and over and over and over and over and over and over, but you know I'm having the best time reading it through this year than I've had it any year that I can remember. Now, that may just because because I have early dementia and I just can't remember how it was, but I don't care. When I get, well, I don't know who you are. It's beautiful. Proverbs 29, 18, you will recognize this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. That's the part of the verse I want to deal with. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Our prime directive as a church, as an individual, was given to us by Jesus just before his ascension into heaven. Uh, most of you heard the verses over and over and over. It makes sense to me that we would repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat our prime directive. The very reason, the very essence of our being here. Why am I here? Well, I'm here to grow in Christ. There's a lot of sub-reasons, a list of reasons why God has left me here, but he has a prime reason why he's left me here. That's to tell others about his son. Jesus Christ gave everything there is to give, left the glories of heaven to come here and take upon the form of a servant made in the likeness of man and being found in fashion man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. God the Father stood back and watched his son spit upon, beaten, beard plucked out of his face, mocked, mocked about as much as ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MSNBC have mocked Trump. But may, I'm sure Trump has not been mocked more, but Jesus was mocked about that much. He can't be the Christ. He's not qualified. He doesn't have the experience. That's not the one. He wouldn't look like that. He'd have better hair. Been mocked every, Jesus was mocked every way you could get mocked. Those that were of the elite, of the establishment, the Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, lawyers, and scribes, uh, they said, you're not going to ever 
be our Messiah. God the Father said, He's my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye Him. I love that. And it won't do a bit of good, all of the sacrifice and the blood is shed, unless people get to hear about it. So our prime directive for you and me that have been redeemed, hopefully most of you in this room, hopefully all of you, I don't know that, would, would know Christ as your personal Savior in order to be born again. Your prime directive is to do one thing, to be a mouthpiece for God. I'm God I have, I, these are God's feet. These are God's hands. This is God's mouth. These are God's eyes. And he's given, this is God's brain, whatever's left of it. And God says, take what I have given you and go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That means do not judge them by what you see. Some of them look like creatures. I mean, some of them look like creatures from the Black Lagoon. I mean, some of them, if you could look any weirder, they've, they've won the prize. But he said, don't look at them. Just tell them the good news. Jesus Christ has come. He died on the cross. He died not for just my sin, but he died for your sin. And you can have it forgiven and have a place called place in heaven with him and have and have your conscience whew, have your conscience made clean again. Boy. I like Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Tonight we're going to do that. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Our prime directive. The verse I quoted before was Mark 16, 15. So we have a goal, a purpose, a calling as born-again believers, to, if I may say, a vision. That's, what, that's the way it says it here. And that vision is to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature and to tell them that Jesus has come. But it says here in the verse, where there is no vision. Who is supposed to have the vision for the lostness and those in jeopardy without Christ. Who's supposed to have that vision? Well, the lost not going to have that vision, right? They don't know about it. We're going to have the vision, right? So you and I as born-again believers are supposed to have the vision. Who will stand to lose the most if we lose the vision for the lostness of the lost? Who stands to lose the most? They do. I'm already, my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. By the grace of God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, I am secure in Christ. Not arrogant, but secure in Christ. I do not stand to lose my salvation because nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nor, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And so, consequently, we born-again believers, we sit here this morning, we say, praise Jesus, we have some security in Christ. We don't have to live on the edge of wondering whether we're going to fall someday into the place called hell. 
We don't have to worry about that. We can, we can pillow our heads with the fabulous security of the salvation that Jesus Christ has given us. But somebody had to obey the command and have the vision to tell you about it. Some of you were told early on. Some of you were told middle life. Some of you were told late in life. But you were told. Our purpose here at Gospel is not to hold church, not to just have friends. It's good to have friends. Not to just uh, have donuts and coffee and fellowship once a week. Our purpose is as serious as a person can be about purpose, and that is to join our hands together. You looked out there on the foyer. You see those hundred different missionaries. Our purpose is to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Our purpose is to do it through billboards or do it through door-to-door or do it through Awana or do it through giving bicycles away or whatever the methods we use or give it through Farm Fest. But we want to tell, tell people Jesus has come and he can save you. And we don't want to let anything stop us. No. I like Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 18 says, When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. Read it for yourself. Ezekiel chapter 3, and by the way, repeated in Ezekiel chapter 33. Verse 19 said, Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Basically what God is telling Ezekiel is I've set you up as a watchman. And what Jesus did for the church, for his church, which he bought with his own blood, is he's given us a purpose. He's given us a goal. He set, up, he set us up as a watchman. We are here among these folks as a watchman to warn them that someday without Christ they're going to have to pay for their own sin. be cast into hell. It's a sober job. It's a serious job. My dad in Marine Corps would pull watch, night watch, you know, watch. They were on the islands, Saipan, Tinian. They were in threat of bonsai attacks. The Japanese would crawl on their belly with a knife in their mouth. It was a one-way trip. And they would try to knife uh, the guys as they were in their foxholes and and sometimes they would just charge into the machine guns, just straight up crying, bonsai, bonsai. And he said they would just at night, you know, couldn't see, didn't know what was going on. He said the fear level was high. They put watchmen out there, guards out there. And those guards, God forbid they'd fall asleep. God forbid they were lazy. God forbid they had some physical deal where it took their attention off of what they were supposed to do. They better be on do and, and and brother, you better know the password for that day. Because if you didn't know the password for that day, they had permission to shoot you straight up and down. He said, if you forgot the password, you get shot. That it changed every day. I'd be in trouble, I'll tell you that. I'd be in trouble. I can't even get into my into my iPhone hardly. But I think if you held a gun to me, I'd have a better memory. Jesus said, God said, Jehovah said, both New and Old Testament, you're a watchman to these to the lost people of the world. You're their watchman. Warn them. Warn them that their wickedness will lead them to a place called hell. In Romans.
Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Many of you have heard that over and over. Verse 14, however, says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them which preach the gospel of peace, bring glad tidings and the good things. So then, and this is the conclusion in verse 17 of Romans chapter 10, 10, 17. So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So it's watertight. Both Old Testament, New Testament, you can't be saved if you don't hear. You must hear the message. So the power of God in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. The power of God is not you and me. The power of God is the message. The message that Jesus Christ has come, he, was, he, he, was, he, he died on the cross, he was buried, he rose again the third day, has a supernatural ability with empowerment of the Holy Spirit in explaining it, that when we verbally repeat it, the Holy Spirit of God makes it clear to the individual, like he did you, that you are the one he's talking to and that you are the one in jeopardy and that you are the one that needs your sins forgiven. And if you don't trust Christ as your Savior and allow him to pay for your sins instead of you paying for your sins, someday you'll have to face God with your sins on you. And that is not a good thing. It's a supernatural thing. Man, it's not human human power-based, it's supernatural-based. What vision do people lose that causes them to perish? I believe, number one, we lose. How do we lose the vision? Now, I'm going to tell you this. In all honesty, there's been times when I've lost the vision. Times when it's gotten weak. Times when I wasn't so enthused about sharing the gospel. Times when I should have shared the gospel, I didn't share the gospel. So I stand up before you not as a, oh, I did it perfectly. I'm, I'm standing before you having to struggle with this some myself. And, and the sermon I'm preaching this morning is for Bill Lytell, number one, that I do not lose the vision, the purpose, why God leaves me here. We lose the vision because we lose the vision of hell. We lose our vision of hell. I believe there is a ratio. The more real hell is to you, the more enthused you are about sharing the gospel. The less hell is real to you, the less you're willing, and it seems important, to share the gospel. Do you say amen to that? you feel that? Do you know one of Jesus' favorite subjects was hell? I was saved because my Sunday school teacher taught on hell. How many here were saved around the subject of hell and you got convicted and got saved? Raise your hand. Come on. Yeah. 35, 40%. Actually, 37.2%. I mean... I sat in class and she threw flannel graph, demonstrated her little vision of the people going down a river real broadway, a broadway. It was all biblical. 
And then the Broadway fell off his cliff into this fire. You say, oh, well, that was a story for little kids. And little kids, we, you got scared into heaven. I really don't care how I get to heaven. As long as I get there. You say, you got scared into heaven. Okay. I'm good with it. You say, well, some you win by compassion. The Bible says that in the last chapter in Jude, chapter one, there's only one chapter in Jude, last part of Jude says, Some you win by compassion. Being tender like Mrs. Rose. Mrs. Rose is the epitome of compassion. And then some you win through a guy like Bob Sandsmark. Brother Bob Sandsmark used to call door to door with him. Nobody wanted to go with him. Bob's in heaven now, by the way. And when you go to heaven, I'll talk about you. Bob Sandsmark died of a heart attack, 60 years old. Bob had a burden for souls. And I remember going door to door with him because everybody would come to me and say, I don't want to go with Bob now. If you're going to make me go with Bob, I ain't going to come door to door. I love it when you do that to me. And so at the end of the day, it's like getting to be the last pick for the baseball team. You know, nobody, you're sitting there by yourself. Nobody wants me. Well, I wouldn't let Bob go through that, so I'd always say, Bob, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. And so we'd go. And so Bob and I'd go. He'd go up to the door of people's home, and he'd knock on the door, and he'd say, uh, uh, we're here with gospel. Well, I'm not interested. He said, you will be interested when you go to hell. I'd stand behind him. He's a big old boy. I'd stand behind him. I'm backing up, Bob. I'm backing up. I didn't know if they were going to draw on him or what they were going to do, but he, that man had, he, he, was, he was not mean, but he was truthful. I remember, and people say, well, you can never win anybody that way. They get so mad at Bob. They get so mad at Bob for doing that. They say he's just, he's scaring people off. I'd say, well, where's he scaring them to? Hell number two, hell number three, hell number four. Where are they going to be scared to? They're dying and going to hell. I, I, I don't always approve of being rude. I don't think he was, but they took it that way oftentimes. But one time we were at this house, and he came up to this woman, and she said, I don't want, I'm not interested. She said, well, you will be. You die and go to hell. And she turned around. What? He said, the Bible says, he started quoting her some of the things I'm going to quote you. And she said, man, come in. I want to talk more about this. We went in there. Led, he led that woman to Jesus. She really got saved. People get saved around hell. They get saved. Jesus either is an outright liar or he was a crazy lunatic or he was the Lord of all that is and knew something that maybe we don't understand like we should. That there is a place called hell called the eternal lake of fire that people have to go if they miss Jesus, if they reject the Son of God and try to stand for their own sin, somehow their good works outweigh their bad works. This is about 95% of people's perception that someday they're going to stand before God and their good works somehow are going to outweigh their bad works. And the Bible says there's none good, no, not one. There's none none that seek after God. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can't go very far in the Bible without realizing that there's no way your works are going to somehow justify you before God. You're not going to be justified by your good works. Give all your money to the poor. You're not going to be justified. You cannot undo one evil thing you've ever done. 
You can say you're sorry. You can say, please forgive me. But you cannot undo it. And you sure can't pay for it. Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. It was only His blood that was accepted at the mercy seat of God. Whosoever will now may come, but thou shalt believe in thine heart. Ooh, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a message. Never gets old to me. First of all, Jesus was telling the truth. And the, the man, the, the, the very Son of God, spoke more about hell than he did heaven because he was warning them and did not want them to go there. He was soon, after speaking in the Gospels, soon was to die for their sin, wanting them to hear. Do you know God wants us to tell others about his Son? Of all that God wants us to do, he wants us to, it's the very heart of God Almighty that we share the gospel. It's the very breath of God himself that you share the good news that Jesus Christ came and died. Jesus Christ told of a place that the fire would never be quenched in Mark chapter 9 verse 43. Where the worm dieth not in Mark 9 43. And it was an everlasting fire Matthew 18 8. It was called everlasting punishment in Matthew 25, 46. He said the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever is found in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 11 and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. There will be no rest nor uh, day nor night, Revelation 14, 11. It is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth according to Matthew chapter 13, verse 42. It is a place of outer darkness in Matthew chapter 8, verse 12. It is described as a furnace of fire in Matthew chapter 13, verse 50. It is a place of conscious torment in Luke chapter 16, verse 23, where the rich man lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham afar off. It is described as a place that's so awful that it would be better, Jesus said, to cut your hand off or to put your eye out or to cut your foot off if somehow those things would send you to hell. It would be better to go through this life lame or without a hand or without an eye if those things were the things that were going to cause you to go to hell. It would be better to be without him than to go to this place that he described. People that are condemned to hell will see hell, they'll smell hell, they'll hear hell, and they will feel hell. It will not be a laughing stock then. It will not be a joke then. It will not be something that they deny. I don't believe in hell. How many times have I heard people say, I don't believe in hell? It doesn't make any difference what you believe. You can get out here on the highway and drive any speed you want to drive, and when the policeman pulls you over, and hopefully you do pull over, and he comes up beside your vehicle, you can say, well, I don't believe in speed limits. Give it a shot. Your authority is going to say, come with me. You go to God someday and say, well, I don't believe. I don't believe a loving God would ever send anybody to hell. I don't believe a loving God would ever condemn anybody to a place called hell. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. 
It's like a three-year-old when they're getting ready to get spanked saying, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it as you take them over your knee and spank them. Brother, when you come under the authority of God, it don't make any difference what you believe. It makes a difference what is, what's real. And I can tell you the Son of God who was sent here to die for our sins believed it was real. We lose our vision on hell. The second thing we lose our vision on, we lose our vision on the urgency of the moment. When I talk to people, I often think in the back of my mind, this may be the last opportunity they ever have to be saved. I think you told, doctor, you just told of somebody in your family died this last week. 67-year-old woman died of a cerebral hemorrhage. Relatively good health, 67 years old. Bothers me when you say that, by the way, at 64. But I knew guys, where's uh, where's uh, Gene Riffle? Gene, Gene, you here? You remember, uh, well, she's not here, but Mr. Balsam, playing tennis down here in that was a friend of the of the of the uh, Powells, and I remember they got a call. He fell on the tennis court. Fifty-three years old, cerebral hemorrhage, died. Forty-some year olds die. I want. I'm around. I'm around morticians a little more than I want to be. But a mortician is a strange individual. Deals with dead people all the time. I remember this mortician <clears throat> when I buried my grandfather, uh, my wife's grandfather, up in uh, uh, Homosassa Springs. And he took me to the side and he said, Preacher, he said, if, is something prophetically coming? I said, yeah, Jesus is coming. There's a lot of things coming. He said, no, no, no. He said, I mean like now. I said, yeah, it could be now. No, no. He said, I can't believe, I'm just, why, why are you asking? He says, I can't believe how many 35-year-olds I've buried in the last few months. And they're all dying of heart attacks. I said, wow. Really? And here's a man that, that was his profession is to help people in death and bury them, their loved ones and stuff, was stunned at how young people, let me say that, you know, I'm 35, I got a lot of years ahead of me. I, I get a kick out of people when they say, I'm going to live to 90 years old because grandpa lived to 90 years old or mama lived to 90 years old. You don't have one lousy guarantee of living past this moment. And the doctor said, and my veterinarian friend, he's not here this morning, out visiting people, but the veterinarian friend said, your dog or cat don't have one day. <laughs> Don't, don't forget the urgency. You say, I'll get to it. Get to it. I'll do it tomorrow. Get to it today. You say you have something you need to say. You feel burdened for one of your lost loved ones. How about calling them this afternoon? How about writing them this afternoon? How about emailing them this afternoon? How about jumping on those things that are in the back of your mind that you've been shoving? Why? Because there's a, there's a time sensitiveness to what we do. The vision. We lose the vision because we lose the vision of a place called hell that those lost people are going to have to go to. We lose the vision because we lose our sense of urgency. 
that those people are in and among. We don't have time for friendship evangelism. I'm for it. But don't be a friend of somebody very long without telling them about Jesus. Without sharing a gospel track. Without inviting them to church. Without telling them about your testimony. I don't think anybody gets offended about hearing somebody's testimony. You know, Brother Moon, I've seen him use his testimony over and over and over again. You tell them, well, here's what Jesus did to me. What are they going to do? Say, well, it didn't happen. No, they're not going to get upset with you. They'll listen to you in kindness, usually in courtesy. They'll tell, you know, this is the way I got saved. I've been with Frank Gray over and over and over again, stopping at a Catholic's house, and they'll try to brush us off, and he say, well, you know, I was Catholic. And give me his testimony how he got saved as a Catholic. The third thing, we lose our vision because we forget what Jesus has done for us. It kind of gets out, put out there. Man, don't let the freshness, don't let the depth, of your salvation get out of your hand. Brother, tomorrow you're saved going to heaven. Don't ever let the excitement get away from you. I've been married 47 years. Let me get back to this. They've written songs about I've lost the thrill. In fact, B.B. King, the thrill is gone. I think it's a decision. I go to my wife and I say to myself, this is the woman who gave her whole life to me. This is a woman. It's a wife of my youth. The Bible says, especially to be good to the wife of your youth. Well, man, I, I, I did good on that. I got married almost, I was 19 years old. And I and I have I I I want to make a decision to remember the good. Some of you girls got a list on your husband. If I got you in a room and say what bad things your husband ever done to you, you go. God forbid, burn that thing. It'll come back tomorrow, but burn it today. That list don't go nowhere. That list one of them lists you wish your computer worked that good. But man, we why is it that we remember all the bad stuff? We don't remember the good stuff. Remember the good stuff. Say, I want to remember the good stuff. I'm going to count the good stuff. I'm going to review the good stuff. Remember that you were taken out of a horrible pit. Remember your feet were set upon the solid rock, Christ Jesus. Remember you were given a new song. Even praise to our God. Many shall hear it and be saved. Psalm 40. Psalm 40. Oh, every morning you got to get up and say, I'm saved. By the grace of God, I'm saved. You got it's, it's a process of not losing the vision. Because if you lose the vision, the people perish. You can't lose the vision or the people will perish. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. You lose the vision, people perish. You have the vision, people get saved. Look, my job is not to specifically save people. I've never saved anybody, but I have told people about Jesus Christ and they've gotten saved. Keep telling them. Keep telling them. Keep telling them. Keep enthused. Understand the severity of hell. 
Understand the length of hell. Let me say this. I don't want Hillary to go to hell. I want her to be saved and go to heaven. I don't want Bill Clinton to go to hell. I want him to be saved and go to heaven. I don't want Trump to go to hell. I want him to be saved and go to heaven. I want Trump's whole family to get saved by the grace of God and go to heaven. And I hope Pence in the middle of that group begins to te testify of Jesus to them people and testify of Jesus and testify of Jesus. And why not? Nebuchadnezzar got saved. Ooh. The head of Nineveh, when Jonah preached an eight-word sermon, he got saved. From the top down, they repented. Could America have revival? Where there's no vision, the people can perish. Let's not lose our vision. Don't let anything sour it. Don't let anything get in the way of it. Don't let anything cloud it up. Don't let it. Remember, it's you making the choice. People can do me wrong every way. You could, you could be done wrong. I could write a blues song about it. I've been done wrong. But I'm going to concentrate on what the good. The good! Keep my vision. Keep telling people that Jesus saved, Jesus saves. Father, help us. Help us. May you come in power. Forgive us where we've grown weary in well-doing. That's what the Bible says. It wouldn't warn us if it couldn't happen. Do not be weary in well-doing. Father, we pray that we would have a renewed vision today. There's no doubt it's easy to lose the vision. It's easy to get caught up in everything, everything, everything but what's important really in life. You're so busy that we forget that life's not about going fishing and hunting, golfing, skiing, playing basketball, football. It's about telling others about Jesus. Through all those things, maybe but it's about telling others that Jesus saves. Forgive us where we've stepped back. Forgive us where we have grown weary. Forgive us where we've almost fainted. Help us to shake ourselves and be given the power from heaven because we need power from heaven. We need you to come and help us. Maybe there, in this group, there's lots of loved ones that are lost. Lots of children that are wayward. Lots of aunts and uncles and cousins that need to be one more time reviewed the gospel. May Father, you help all of us to have that guidance where to go, when to go, and how to go. To go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.